0: When Pastor Sam asked me to speak the other day, I thought, um, I immediately prayed, and I I felt the Lord saying, Spirit, I want you to to preach on Spirit. Um, The next day, I got a text from a friend of, a very close prophetic friend, who sent me uh, the scripture of Jesus saying, I am living water. So I thought, okay, I'm preaching on Spirit and water. Um, And then um, when shout started, Pastor Sam preached on Spirit, and then yesterday, Pastor Shane preached on water. So I thought, okay, what have I got left? You know, and I, th- I just thought, actually, no, I just felt like um, God wants to minister today. He wants to minister to you today. I felt real heart of God's heart for ministry, because spirit and water both speak of life, of life. So I'm going to get these guys to throw up um, the first picture on the, on the slide. When I thought of water um, through scriptures, I am not um, fluent in Hebrew, so I didn't think of the Hebrew word. I thought of the Maori word, because that's who I am. And of course, we, we know that the water the word for water is way. But then I thought, like any good theologian, I should go and look up the Greek. So I, like any good theologian, Googled it, and um, and found out it says uh, the Hebrew word for water is mayim, or may. I, I don't know how I'm, if I'm saying that correctly. Sorry, Pastor Shane. Um, and it's kind of the idea of um, you know the, the waters when 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 you look in the beginning of Genesis one, it says the. Uh, in the creation story, the, uh, God created the heavens and the earth, and the, it was the waters. Waters. And then He separated the waters. Um, and then there was the waters on the, on the earth, and then there was the waters in the heaven. Um, the Hebrew word for heaven or spirit is this word, shamayim. So it's the water, but the, it's, in its simplistic form, it means second waters. Second waters. There is the waters, the physical waters. Then there are the heavenly waters, which is the spirit. Interesting because the Māori word for spirit is Wai Rua. Wai meaning water, Rua meaning two. The second waters. It's like where there's water, there's spirit. There's earthly waters, and then there's the heavenly waters. There is the, the, the physical, and there is the spirit. The, when the waters were separated in, um, in, in Genesis 1, chapter 2, it said the Spirit, the, the waters were formless and void, and it said the Holy Spirit brooded over the waters. The sense of brooding, and I, I never really kind of understood what that, what that meant, but I feel it now. I feel like this, the Spirit of God is brooding over waters here. And I don't know if people have come here and your waters have stopped flowing and they're just a little bit formless and void, but I, f- I feel like this whole time there's been this, this thing inside and the Spirit is brooding right now. The wairua is brooding. Interesting because our bodies are made up of 60% of water. But the Spirit broods over us all. Without Him, our waters are in chaos. Our waters are formless. Our waters are void. And we end up in chaos. It's um, What we're not told in Genesis... Is what happened between verse 1 and verse 2 of Genesis 1. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In verse 2, it said, And the waters were formless and void. And so there's this thing in theology all the pastors will know about the gap theory. They're saying, Well, what happened in between 1 and 2 to make what God created? into this formless void. And another, that same word for, um, for f- formless void in there is used in another place in the Bible in Deuteronomy where it means a wasteless, a howling wasteland. A howling wasteland. And you think, wait, when God created the heavens and earth, do you really think he created a howling wasteland? Because God doesn't create wastelands. He creates beautiful things. So God creates this beautiful thing, but in between one and two, we're left from a a beautiful thing. All of us, it's it's a howling wasteland. It's formless. It's void. It's devoid of life. Pastor Sam said yesterday he talked about Michael and the angels, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Um, Michael we know by name. Gabriel we know by name. But Lucifer is actually not his name. It's just a name that we put on there. It's like Satan is not his name it's actually a title, the Satan. Satan just means adversary. It just means Lucifer just talks about the morning star because that's what he was kind of likened to. So he, he actually doesn't have a name in the Bible. Why? Because names are really important. Names carry dignity and importance and honor. And it's like, no, when he, when he, when he stopped doing what he was supposed to be, he was supposed to do, and that was being the, the worship angel. His, his whole idea was to reflect the glory of God. Uh, Ezekiel tells us that he was, and Isaiah tells us he was made with musical instruments in him. I don't know if you've ever read that. He was made with jewel, beautiful jewels all over him. He looked beautiful. He sounded beautiful. His whole, whole job was to reflect the glory of God, to bring worship from the universe, pour it through himself, and, and lead everybody in worship Towards God. But as the glory goes through him, it goes, I mean it goes from there through him, it flows through him and onto God. But when he stopped the flow, it turned into when you stop the flow of water, what does it do? It turns into stagnation and corruption. When he stopped the flow, it stopped it stopped the life. He lost his name because he lost his purpose. And then then God had had to expel him from heaven, and where he threw him was down here. So all that stagnation and corruption he then brings to the planet, and what was beautiful is now a howling wasteland. It's now it's now formless and void. It's just it's just a theory. Other people argue against it, other theologians and whatnot. But it's a pretty good one when you consider that that God made man out of dust. When you think, okay, wait, what's dust made of? Dust is, is corrupted flesh. Are your skin? <laughs> when the, when the, when the, when, the, when, the, when the, the, Satan came, got thrown to earth and he brought all that corruption... So like everything on the planet, then what was beautiful is now, is now corrupted and we're left with dust. God says, well, listen, I've got a place in, in heaven there where you, you used to worship and you used to reflect the glory and pour the glory flow through, through you and, and to me. And, um, and now it's stopped. I still need someone there to worship me. And Pastor Sam alluded to it yesterday where he said, well, let's take the very corruption that you created down there, pull it together, form a body, And I'm going to breathe my very spirit and do it. So that very body with my spirit in it can rise up again and start to worship. And start to be my worship leader again. And I remember hearing Jensen Franklin once at a conference say, when I get to heaven, my first question is I'm going to ask is, where's the spot? And I was like, everyone was like, what? What spot? He goes, where's the spot where Satan failed to worship? So I can stand in it and start to worship God where he failed. And I'm like, yes. Satan lost his expression of glory and worship and um, so he pulls together us, the dust, to do that because um, when corruption comes, and I'm, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask um, Jason if he could throw that video up. I, I, kinda, I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, when... When, um, when flowers and plant life and stuff start to start to decompose without water, they just turn to dust. And I'm feeling like this today, there's, there's somebody in here, as, even as you're watching that, you're realizing, man, over a period of time, that's what my life has been feeling like. I, I felt for pastors um, this past year, you've been leading your churches And through a really tough time, we've been speaking to worship pastors overseas in all of our churches, and my love goes out to all our online churches and all our online family everywhere, because we've been really feeling for you that this has been, man, it's been a really tough time working through, and the waters have been just hard to keep flowing, hard to keep flowing. And it gets to a point where it's like, oh man, I feel like I'm starting to just curl up because the waters have stopped flowing. Maybe some of you here feel like these flowers, like life has stopped. Although you're made of living water, the, although you're made of water, the living water of Jesus isn't flowing like it used to, and you're slowly drying. But God, the Spirit of God is brooding. The Spirit of God says, no, God still needs someone to worship Him. And so he's gathering together the very corruption left by Satan, forms it into a body, and then breathes his very breath, his very spirit into him. And the lifeless dust begins to flow with living water again. And the life begins with the spirit of God inside. And Adam opens his eyes, and the first thing he sees is the face of his father. Open your eyes and look upon the face of your father. In Māori, we, we speak about that as tihei Modi ora. Tihei Modi ora. Tihei means a sneeze. It's the breath, Modi ora. It's the breath that he breathed into, into Adam. And in order to breathe, of course, it's like a face to face, you know, uh, resuscitation kind of, kind of vibe, you know, face to face, nose to nose. We, we do the hongi, the hongi thing. There he was breathing life into this pile of lifeless dust and it becomes Adam and he opens his eyes and the first thing he sees is God. I feel like it's time to open your eyes. Realize that the Father is close. Open your eyes and realize that the Father is that close to you. The very breath, Pastor Bruce talks about it a lot, the very breath that you breathe is God himself. Can you, can you start to feel it even now? Can you start to feel the heart of God close to you? This idea of the spirit brooding over the waters. Guys, throw up that picture of the of the waters and the heavens being split. God creates the, the heavens and the and the and the earth, and the waters are down below there, but also the waters in the heaven. Um and it's formless and void, but then um, the Spirit broods over the formless void. It, that brooding sense. Um, where it's like he's, he's not happy when there's no flow. Formless and void water. He's, I can see the Holy Spirit saying, no, there's, for, when water stagnates, then all this the corruption grows. I need to get water flowing again spirit the spirit brews over the water in order to get things flowing it's like with electricity you know in order, there's, there's electricity can sit there and and it can have a lot of power, but if it's not moving there's, there's it's not sending power anywhere you know what current voltage you know wattage, whatever it is, kinetic energy it needs to get current moving and so the spirit wants to move stagnant waters today uh, this idea of the the um the relationship of oh uh, no I see. It's like when the father, heart of the Father sees this water that He's created, He's saying, no, there's supposed to be life there, but there isn't life. And so the heart goes out and says, no, I've got to get, get life flowing again. I've got to get the waters flowing again. And so He pours Himself into a human body and calls Him Jesus. There's flow from one to another. Jesus then pours himself back into the Father and says, yeah, I'm gonna follow you. Everything, I, the Father does nothing except what he sees, the Son does nothing except what he sees the Father doing. So there's this constant flow of the Father pouring himself into the Son and the Son pouring himself into the, into the Father and there's this beautiful flow and it's the Holy Spirit in both of them that's creating the flow. Isn't that beautiful? And then the, Jesus comes to the earth and says, and prays for us and says, Father, may they be one just as you and I are one unified. May they be one just as you and I are one, unified. And it's the Holy Spirit in both of them that's creating this flow between Father, Son, Father, Son. When, when Jesus needs something, He goes to find the Father. When He gets tired, He goes to find the Father. And He has this beautiful love flowing all the time. Are you getting the picture? And then as he prays for us, it's like, no, I'm inviting you now to join in this flow. When you give your life to Jesus, it isn't just an, a, an individual thing. When you give your life to him, the Holy Spirit invites you into the middle of that flow. The Father flowing into the Son, the Son flow pouring into the Father, and you're in the middle of that, and the Holy Spirit is the one facilitating it all. That's awesome. So when the waters are formless and void, the Spirit says, no, I'm not happy about this. Satan, you stop the flow of living water from the Father and the Son. The Spirit is brooding. Now it's saying, I've got to get things going. And so He creates Adam with spirit and purpose he, to let those living waters flow. God knows just like the heavenly flow, Adam needs a mate. So He puts him to sleep and He creates Eve out of his side. He puts him to sleep, takes a rib out of his side creates his bride. And now Adam and his bride can love each other. The flow, flow of living waters. And they're together in this beautiful lush garden as they take their part in helping their father create the world. And they speak prophetically the names and natures of each animal as God brings them before him. Have you ever noticed what the Bible says whenever God brought an animal to Adam, whatever he named it, that's what that big animal became. There's such power in names. That's why Satan doesn't have a name. It's, it's amazing to think that God, that, that God poured his spirit into Adam. Adam then awakes and starts to name animals. That's the one job we're told about. Because as he's speaking, as he's naming, he's prophetically declaring, and what he names becomes. That's what you've got. The same Spirit that created the world is in you to create the world around you. We're supposed to be vessels of the living water of God out to this planet. And that's what Adam and Eve were. When Jesus was on the cross, God also put him to sleep. And when the Roman soldier pierced his side, out of his side then came blood and water. And out of that water, as it flowed into us, he also got his bride. And His bride became us. The whole idea being now we can flow. Between Jesus and His bride, we can flow with living waters. And out of us, we can start to create. We can start to flow. We can start to let living waters out into this planet. Are you feeling this? This whole idea of waters flowing through, the more I looked in the Bible, the more I realized, man, there's so much of it. Out of the Garden of Eden, there were these rivers. Again, Pastor Shane told us about one yesterday. Rivers flow. But we ruined it when we sinned. And so we found ourselves back in the desert. Eventually, Abraham gets some water. But then when he runs out of food, he turns to Egypt. And Egypt is a type of the world. When we run out of food and sustenance, don't turn to the world. God God had to rescue him from Egypt just as he rescues you from the world. And the physical Abraham dug wells and he digs wells in the desert and he has a son named Isaac. Isaac needs a wife eventually. So he sends a servant to look for a wife. And where does he find one? He finds a lovely lady named Rebecca at a well pouring water. This whole thing of water, 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 water. His son named Jacob also digs a well. But we don't hear about it until much later in the New Testament when Jesus shows up at a well, Jacob's well, to meet a lady there from Samaria. He meets a Samaritan woman who, who is thirsty. She's sick and she's tired. She's hot and she's weary. And she comes out looking for water in the middle of the day because she can't go anywhere else, when everyone else goes because they don't like her. They've rejected her. Because of, because of what she's done in the place. We don't know about this until Jesus snaps her out. It's a really funny story, um, but it's an awesome story too because we see how Jesus works through our, our defenses. The Samaritan woman is, is there in the middle of the day and, and Jesus is waiting for her, which is a, which is a stunning fact. He's planned it. He, he'll be there when you need him, right in the middle of your need. So he starts this conversation and says, and says um, hey, could I have a drink of water? She says, don't you know who I am? I'm a woman, I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jew, and you're a male. What are you, what are you doing talking to me? Probably because she thought he was hitting on her." He says, um, girl, if you knew who I was, then you'd be asking me for water. She says, are you, are you greater than Jacob who dug this well? Thinking, you know, Jacob was the one with the living water. He was the one with the water. She's still thinking earthly water. And Jesus the whole time is speaking wairua. And so he, he says, man, if you got some of the water that I've got, you'd never thirst again. She goes, oh, yes, please give me some of that water. He goes, okay, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. First, go and get your husband. She goes... I don't have a husband. He goes, Dang straight you don't. You've had five husbands, and even the one you're living with now is not even your husband. She figures out, oh, you're a prophet. Duh. You know. Oh, I see you're a prophet, and then launches into a debate about worship. How do we get from husbands to worship? In fact, how do we get from water to worship? How do we get from water to husbands to worship? Jesus knew that she's got an issue. She's had five husbands. Clearly, she's, been, she's not ugly, <laughs> which is probably why the women don't like her. That's why she doesn't go out with the other women. She goes out in the middle of the day because she doesn't want to hang around everybody else because they've rejected her. Why? Because one, she's hot, and two, she's stealing all their husbands. So then she's clearly got an issue of pain. She's got some tra- something in her life which is pain. And instead of looking for God, she looks to find it. And the only thing she's got, which is her looks, and looks for it in the relationships. And throughout all these failed relationships, she's never been able to find God. And instead, and never been able to find comfort. her pain and instead she finds herself in this hard cynical place all her defenses are up and it needs a messiah with living water to come and flow into her to break down her defenses and bring her to life again and so he starts to break these defenses down and says and starts right where she's right where she's needed right where her greatest need is physically it's water first so he says yeah now you need water I'll give you water and then, and then it busts through, and, she's, and then he snaps her out and says, oh, husbands, go get your husband first. Snaps out the bigger issue. She realizes you're a prophet. There's something spiritual here. She's got questions her whole life. Why? Because she is a Samaritan. She's been raised in church. But there's a big, big feud between the Samaritan church and the Jewish church. That's why they hate each other. And so she says, my whole life I've been hearing about God. You're a prophet. Every time I go to look for, to look for church— and to look for God, I don't see living waters. All I see is churches fighting over how to worship. It's ridiculous. The world is out there in so much pain, and when they look at the church, they still see churches fighting over how to worship. Oh, should we do song songs? Should we do Planet Shaker songs? No, those ones are evil. We should be at the hymns. Should we use drums? No, guitars are evil. Right? I remember hearing one guy say, drums are evil because they come from Africa. I went to one church in America, and they said guitars, they wouldn't allow guitars in their church because they were shaped like a woman. I thought, man, how ugly are the women in your church? <laughs> if you've got a problem with a guitar, man, you need to get out more. <laughs> it's stupid that people will go to churches, and they'll, and they'll fight. One church will fight another one over the style of worship. And so she says to Jesus, I see you're a prophet. I've been looking my whole life for comfort from this pain. I can't find it myself. But when I look to God, all I see is church is fighting over nothing. And it, can you tell me the truth? Why? Which one? Where do I worship? And he says, girl, it's not about worshiping this way or that way. It's about worshiping in spirit and truth. It's about worshipping and transparency. It's about worshipping and honesty. You know what transparency and honesty says? Open. I'm open. I've got to be open to receive. God's not afraid of your honesty. God's not afraid of your openness. In fact, He wants you honest. He wants you open. If you have to yell and scream to get into His presence, yell and scream. It's not like He hasn't heard it before. You're not the exception to the rule. He's had a little bit of practice with human beings before you. You not, Nothing you can say or do is going to surprise him. And so he's just saying, listen, if you just open yourself, come to me, and honestly, all this water is waiting for you. And so he says, oh, man. And this lady says, listen, I can, she could feel the living water coming from him, but she couldn't understand it with her mind because her spirit is not yet ignited. And so you can hear her say, I, I, I know what you're saying. I can feel there's life in there somewhere. I don't understand it, though. But my Bible tells me there's a Messiah coming, and he's the one that's going to explain it all to me. And he says, girl, look right in front of you. I'm right here. I'm right here. Right here. I'm right here. He can do this because he's the Messiah. You know, the Messiah was prophesied way longer. Like Pastor Shane told us yesterday, just how many times it says he was, he, was, he was destined, he was this lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And so through the Old Testament, we keep seeing signs of the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, the Messiah that's coming to bring living waters to us. You can see it all the way through. One of the stories was, with, was when Moses was leading the people through the wilderness and the people all got thirsty because they're out in the, in the desert. What a perfect opportunity for God to give a lesson, a prophetic lesson. So he says, sure, you need, you, need, you need water, Moses? Struck that rock and water will flow. So he takes his rod, he strikes the rock, water flows out, everyone drinks. It's like, this is awesome, cool. But like typical people, you drink once, you get thirsty again the next day. Well, it happened again later on. They came back to him And said, said, hey, we're thirsty again. This time Moses got angry at them. He says, for goodness sake, when are you guys going to just stop complaining? So God says to Moses, hey, this time speak to the rock. So he speaks to the rock. No, he's supposed to speak to the rock. But because he's angry with the people, he, he takes his staff again and strikes it again. This time water flows for sure, but God punishes Moses. And a harsh punishment too. He says, because you've done this, you won't be allowed into the promised land. That's like, man, that's harsh. I thought, why so harsh? You got angry at these people. Why isn't he allowed to get angry at these people? And he said, because it's it's an analogy, it's a sign of what I'm going to do, that the Messiah is coming to flow living waters to us. And he's struck once and only once. He never needs to be crucified again. From then on afterwards, if you get thirsty, you don't need to crucify him again. You just need to speak to the rock, speak his name and water will flow. Will someone speak the name of Jesus in this place? Because I feel like he's here right now, ready to flow living waters, living waters into you. God prophesied time and time again. The prophet Ezekiel, if we could put that verse up, is prophesied again about what his heart to cleanse us. He says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And John 7 um, this this is this is the verse that my friend texted me and says Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me, come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being just like the Scripture says. Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive, but the Spirit hadn't been poured out upon them because Jesus had yet to be unveiled in His full splendor. The idea is where there's water, there's always the Spirit. That we need the water to cleanse. We need the water to keep flowing, to cleanse us from the stagnation, but then our Spirit needs to be ignited. There needs to be water and spirit. And so Jesus was very clear when after this, he spoke to a guy named Nicodemus and said, and said hey, in order to receive the kingdom, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. And Nicodemus, who's a teacher, says, what do you mean born again? What does that mean? Do you mean I'm supposed to go back into my mother's womb? He was like being like dumb. Why? Because unless you've got the spirit ignited, unless Jesus reveals himself to the things of the spirit, you, you can't see them. And so Jesus says to him very clearly, truly I say to you, you must be born of water and of spirit. He wasn't talking about baptism. He was was talking about being born of water means cleansed by the living waters, the living flowing waters of God. Some of you are like the Samaritan woman, you've got a past. And you just can't get free from it. Some of you have, 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 are still struggling with things from your past that you just, you're still struggling with guilt each day. Every time you come to praise, you, you, kinda, you spend the first couple of praise songs like this. Because you still didn't realize that the living waters are there to f- cleanse you. To be born of water. To give yourself to Him in an openness and transparency and just to receive those cleansing waters. Because once you're clean then the Spirit can be ignited. You know, since, the, since Adam sinned, our spirits, our spirits have been dormant. The Holy Spirit broods over these waters, and then He gets the waters flowing, and then He is free to then flow, 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 flow. The Holy Spirit wants to flow through you. He wants to flow, th- he wants to flow through you and others. But until you're cleansed, until you're born of water, your spirit will remain dormant and it's time for it to be woke up. Woke up. <laughs> Jesus is at his friend's house um, Lazarus, Martha, Mary, their brother and sisters, and Martha is clearly the older one because she's the one doing all the work, and Mary is the is the younger one sitting at the feet of Jesus doing nothing. Lazarus is kind of off; um, he, he, he must be the middle one because he's off doing uh, being forgotten about. <laughs> In this story, anyway, I, I don't even know, right? But. Um, The point is Mary is sitting at his feet and Martha is the one doing all the work and she complains to him. He says, why don't you tell Mary to come help me? And Jesus' response to her is, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Martha was in the presence of the Prince of Peace. He was actually in her house. She was in the proximity of Jesus himself but still managed to let his stress and anxiety rule over here. How many of us are, are in church? You're in the presence of Jesus and still you're ruled by anxiety. You're ruled by stress. You're struggling. How many in this landscape of anxiety, of worry, of restlessness, of depression, of fear, when we, if, if there's ever a time we need the supernatural peace of God, it's now. But if you can't hear Him, even if you're in church, if you're in the presence of God every Sunday, but you can't feel Him, you can't sense Him, how can you know His peace and comfort? Martha was right there with Him, and yet chose to work instead of sit there. Mary chose to sit at His, at His feet, and, and Jesus said, No, Mary's chosen the good way, and it won't be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. Another translation says, Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from here. Undistracted. I think it's time for us to be starting to be, I think we are distracted too much by the earthly waters, and we're not seeing into the Spirit enough. And it's time for us to be undistracted again let's start to look into the Spirit. Stop looking at what's around you and see in the Spirit. Pastor Helen is always, so many sermons I've heard from Pastor Helen is about activating the Spirit, man. We've got to see into the Spirit. Once you see that, you'll choose the good things. But if we're distracted by what's going on, if we're distracted by what's around us, if we're distracted by our circumstances, we're probably going to choose the wrong thing and we'll end up in stress and anxiety and fear and restlessness, even if we're Christians and even if we're in church. What that says is it's a choice. Mary chose. You have to make room to experience God. God. God can't bring you peace and a deeper revelation of His love if you don't make time to encounter Him. Isaiah 30 says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. Those waters are all there waiting for you. The living waters are all there waiting for you. The Spirit of God is all there waiting for you, but you've been unwilling. It's not His choice, it's your choice. Stop turning to the world, to Egypt for comfort and food during famine. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Not perishable bread, but, but bread that will never run out. We've gotta make room for Him. We've gotta make room for Him. Can we make room for him? Can we make room for him right now? I just, I just want one minute of ministry. I just want just a minute for you to make room for him. I, I feel like somebody has come here today and you've, you, all this, the stagnant stuff, the dust has been there. Your life has been empty. It's felt empty. It's felt like the waters have stopped flowing. Some of you have got a past that needs to be cleansed. Some of you, your spirit has gone dormant and it needs to be re- reawakened. And I just feel for a minute now, it's just to minister, just to impart. Could you do what you need to do to connect with God for a minute? As we make a little room to encounter God, to give him our attention. Yeah, cool. If you need to stand, stand. If you need to get on your knees, get on your knees. But let's receive healing waters, flow, flowing rivers, living waters. Father, let your rivers flow. As a church, you want us to flow your living waters out into this world. And so I pray now, Lord, for living waters to flow and cleanse, to bring cleansing. For those that have struggled with things of their past and they, they really can't let it go, Lord, cleanse right now in Jesus' name. Bring your healing, bring your cleansing and forgiveness in Jesus' name. For those that went through a tough time last year all the way through to this year and they've been struggling to keep that going you got up to things maybe and you're just ashamed of that Lord bring your forgiveness and bring your cleansing healing waters for those of us whose, whose lives felt like they just turned to dust and corruption because the water stopped flowing especially for leaders, I feel like especially for leaders that have been leading for so long and you've, you've been leading out of experience, you've been leading out of, I don't know, just, you know, just the title maybe, but you, underneath you know that the waters have stopped flowing. Just for a second, Lord, Holy Spirit, get those waters flowing again. Flow living water. Experience living water. Rivers flowing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray you would, in this place today, reignite spirits, that we would be born again of the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, that you would ignite us to do what you did, that living waters would flow from us, we'd be able to to speak and create a world, create the kingdom of God that as we prophesy and as we sing and as we speak and as we minister, we would minister out of the living waters that are in us. Lord, awaken your church. Awaken your churches, big churches, small churches, regional churches, our global churches. Awaken the Spirit in your churches, Father. Let living waters flow in Jesus. Let living waters flow. Come on, as your spirit is starting to awaken, receive, stand and receive. Receive. And it all starts with you making room. I make room, meet me here. You have all my attention, Jesus. I'll make room Leave me here All I want is your presence I'll make room Stress, take your eyes off the worry, take your eyes off the work, give him all your attention. You need his presence.